Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. The Salvation Army faced ferocious opposition in the early days. Satan loves to kill things when they're kids. So in the early days, the Salvation Army, once the thing started to explode, in one year, 60 buildings were destroyed. Uh, several officers were murdered, battered to death. They would go into town and have boiling oil and tar poured on them, and they would just keep going, loving the poor, preaching the gospel. By the time Booth died, uh, he was like a superstar and had this incredible almost state funeral with lots of royalty and tens of thousands of people on the street. But at his funeral, Bramwell Booth said this, if you were to ask me, I think I could say that the happiest man I ever knew was the general. He was a glad spirit. He rose up on the crest of the stormy billows and praised God and laughed at the devil's rage and went on with his work with joy. I love that, don't you? He was filled with joy in whatever life threw at him, all the financial pressures and, and all the great poverty and all the great trials. There was a joy, a bubbling, overwhelming joy of the Holy Ghost about Booth. You know why? You know why he was like that? Because he was a sower who sowed to please the Spirit and he reaped great returns. If you want a title, Sam, oh, Sam's not here. <laughs> so somebody else hopefully is going to put our podcast up. Um, and Sam always asked me for the title. So somebody else is going to ask me for a title today, I hope. Well, you don't need to ask me because the title is The Law of great returns. And let me read you a few verses from Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I wonder if Danielle could just go to my desk and get the Tim Keller book, because I want to read you something brilliant towards the end of this. Um, thanks. So there's a Tim Keller book on my desk there that I want to read a little bit out of at the end, I just remembered. The law of great returns. It's like as we come to the end of this letter, Paul's been dictating it as he dictated most of his letters to a scribe, but... At the end, he would normally just sign off with Paul or a little greeting. But occasionally, he gets carried away and wants to scattergun various thoughts. And if you look at the last few verses of Galatians, it seems that they're all a bit disconnected. Lots of holy thoughts from the great apostle under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They seem a bit loosely connected, but there is a great theme. And the theme is sowing and reaping. It's a theme, of course, that Paul picked up from Jesus. Jesus talked about sowing and reaping. His most famous parable, perhaps, is the parable of the sower, where the gospel is described as a seed that falls on our heart, and every one of us has a different kind of heart. We may have a heart that could be defined by a rock, where the gospel just bounces off it, or a path where it falls to the side, springs up a bit, then withers, or a thorny heart where springs up, this gospel springs up, but the cares and worries of this life choke it. Or we could have a good heart, a good and a noble heart, 
and the seed of the gospel falls into that heart and we produce an incredible, miraculous, supernatural harvest. It's what we want, isn't it? Every day, every hour, even every minute, according to the Bible, we're sowing. We're either sowing to please the flesh or we're sowing to please the spirit and we'll produce a corresponding harvest. Every one of our life lives will produce a harvest for good or evil. And the quality or not, the quantity of any harvest depends on three things. You know, it's, it's a law, isn't it? A law, the, the three things that the quality and the quantity of the harvest depends on are how much you sow, how good the seed is, and the environment around it. That's right, isn't it? So important that we do all we can to step up in those three areas at the message. The next season is a season of increasing in the quantity of gospel seed that we sow in words and actions, making sure that it's quality seed that we sow and doing everything we can to provide an environment where we can see a bumper harvest. Only God can bring the harvest. Only God can make the seed germinate, if you like, because that's the real miracle, isn't it? once the seed is in the ground. But we can actually work on the other three things and expect God to do his bit. And when we work hard on those three things, guess what? We see God do much more of the miraculous. We see When we work on the quantity, we sow. And I love the fact that we are sowing more gospel seed than ever as we roll our Eden teams every month, as we step up our missions to proclaim the gospel to the masses like never before. And we have this huge vision to sow seed into the lives of millions. And suddenly we're talking millions and people aren't going, you're having a laugh. <laughs> oh yeah, big gob at the front with these millions, millions we're going to sow. Of course we're going to sow the gospel to millions in the next season, aren't we? It's going to happen. Together, we are going to sow good gospel seed into the lives of millions. And our responsibility is not just to sow masses of seed, not to be a great quantity of seed, but there's a quality. I don't want to produce stunted, diseased harvest that's infected by poor teaching or poor Bible exposition to you. I want to produce a harvest that's bumper, that's that's ready to multiply, don't you? I want to see a harvest, and that's really, really important. I don't want a harvest that's modelling our ungodliness. I want a harvest that's modelling our holiness, because what they see in the sower, they're going to produce through the, their harvest, aren't they? So there's a responsibility, not just for the quantity. We've been given a great big bag of seed the day you were saved, and our job is to empty that seed. And actually, the funny thing is, when you empty your bag, guess what? God gives you an even bigger bag. And there's more to sow, more to sow, more to sow in words and actions poured out on a life. But it's not just quantity, it's quality. And that's why advance is so important for the preachers in the room, for the evangelists, the people who want to explain the gospel. Because advance is not just about what kind of gospel we preach, but what kind of life we live. And if we're to see the right kind of environment, the environment, yes, it will involve prayer and holiness and walking in grace and forgiveness. Did you hear me? Prayer and holiness and walking in grace and forgiveness. If you want to see a bumper harvest of people coming to Christ and an outbreak of kindness and generosity and joy, be quick to forgive. 
Be filled with grace, undeserved love towards those around you. And maybe we'll see a hundredfold harvest of eternal life. Or, conversely, we could reap destruction. That comes to those who sow to please the flesh. That word destruction, apparently, in the original language, literally means disintegration. Sowing to please, please the flesh the results in disintegration. You can see everywhere, can't you? you look around you, the people who sow to please the flesh were all about themselves. They reap destruction. They reap disintegration. How can it be that the Hollywood movie stars and pop stars who have so much of what this world offers, you know, so much of the possessions and pleasures and sexual experience, their lives are disintegrated as you get under the skin a little bit. They're walking in destruction. They're, they're a complete bag of spanners. The people we fawn over, the people we, we, long, we long to be like, look like, be like. We want to know about every detail of their lives. They're an utter mess. They're, they're, they've sown to please the flesh, so many of them, and they've reaped destruction. The Bible says, back at you. The Bible says, God cannot be mocked. You will reap what you can sow. Many fool themselves. They can't fool God. Saw this thing, this Louis Throw thing on telly, and there was this like you know, like a prostitute sex worker. She started off by the program by saying, "I just love sex. I'm just horny, and it's fantastic. And I get to sleep with all these handsome fellas, and it's a wonderful thing." And you're looking at it thinking, "You liar! Your life is an utter mess." By the end of the program, she's weeping in front of Louis Theroux, just how messed up and how broken and how hurting she is inside, how she actually wants to kill herself. This outward thing of, I just, I'm just all out there experiencing everything this life's got to experience. You're so to please the flesh, you reap destruction. I told you it was a jolly festive sermon for you this morning. <laughs> I believe sowing to please the flesh isn't just the big, you know, debauchery things though. No, it's just not just the big, it's the spirit of the age. Sowing to please the spirit of the age. If you want to know what describe flesh in the Bible, just knock the H off and turn it around. It's sowing to please the self. The spirit of our age is defined by entitlement, isn't it? If there's a word that's over our generation to describe what the spirit of the age, what it means to sow to the flesh. It means sow to please entitlement culture. We live in a culture that's defined by, we'll never quite be satisfied. We're entitled to so much and we're always looking for a better job and a better relationship and a better church. So we jump, jump, jump all the time, always thinking it's round the corner and we're never quite satisfied in our relationships. So we jump out of our marriage and try and find the next one or we jump out of our friendships or we jump out of our fellowship, always looking for the next thing round the corner and we're never quite satisfied. We sow to please the spirit of the age and we actually receive, reap destruction. Even Christians do it. One of the most tragic outcomes, I think, of entitlement culture is compensation culture. Well, anything goes wrong in our life, we think we're entitled to so much. You know, if the job isn't perfect, we think we're entitled to loads of compensation. 
oh, we have a little crash on the road. We think we're entitled to loads of compensation. I read this yesterday, believe it or not, 25% of the National Health Service budget goes on compensation claims. And there's a huge multi-billion dollar industry around this. Just go on Google. It's all these lawyers who should be pouring themselves out on behalf of the poor and the marginalized and the broken and, and justice are actually just coffin chasers. And this whole thing, if you've had any problems with the NHS, and there's all these beautiful doctors and nurses who are just living in fear. 56 billion pounds the government have had to put aside for the next round of compensation claims against the NHS. This beautiful free gift to us. And it's tragic, isn't it? And it's the spirit of the age. And I'm not saying sometimes people don't deserve compensation, but most of the times they don't, you know in my opinion. But it's not just the spirit of the age enticement, it's spirit of the age consumerism. And what an orgy of consumerism we're in at the moment in our nation. I, I, um, my um, Anthony's little grandson, Cole, uh, last year, he had this, you know, as, as will happen in virtually every home in this country, this mountain of presents. And after about three or four presents, they were like, Here's your present from your granny, Cole. And Cole's like, I don't want any more presents. <laughs> and uh, don't you think that's what we're like? So many of us actually inside, we don't want any more presents. We're never going to fill that hole with presents. We're never going to fill that hole with things. It's just the spirit of the age that says more and more things are going to satisfy we only reap destruction for just chasing. And so many are going to re reap destruction when their credit card bill comes home. I've got a friend who employs a cleaner on minimum wage. She bought her little baby, baby, six months old, 56 presents. The you know, she's going to have to unwrap them. The kid doesn't give her monkeys. It's, but she's bought into consumerism. She's bought into the spirit of the age. And when the credit card bill comes on the 23rd of January, she'll be weeping. It's nuts, isn't it? And yet there's a better way, isn't there, for Christians? It's a terrible place to sow your wild oats thinking it's going to be amazing and all you reap is destruction. It's not like God's waiting with a big stick in heaven to beat those naughty people who sow to please the flesh. I think it's a much more organic thing than that. Do you understand what I mean? It's like sin just sets up strains against God and the very fabric of the universe and the very way we're meant to be, and it messes everything up. Tim Keller said it's just like eating fatty foods when you sin. Bit by bit, it starts to strain against your heart, against the very essence of your being. That's the thing that makes everything work. It, it strains, and sooner or later, you reap disintegration. Sin literally makes things fall apart. I want to hate sin and love righteousness. That's what I thought as I'm reading this passage. I want to hate sin. I want to walk in righteousness. I know what I want to sow, because that's not for us. We've been called to something much harder but much more satisfying. We've been called to sow to please the Spirit. And according to the passage, as a result, we will reap eternal life. Literally, heaven will come to earth. As we're people who, who are givers, 
sowers. We've got our bag of seed and we sow towards the poor. We sow towards the broken. We sow towards the lost, those who don't know Christ or the, the gospel that can change everything. Relief comes to those in need. Suddenly, there's this beautiful thing. This is what we're reaping. Sinners come to real repentance and life because of our sowing. Moral decay is arrested. That's what happens when we start sowing together as God's people. Cultures change. That's what we're going for, isn't it? It's time for it to stop being a strap line and start to be something that we're living and walking in as we sow to please the Spirit. The world's a better place to live. What's beautiful and lovely will be respected and celebrated instead of wickedness. Oh, don't you want to live in a world like that? Well, sow to please the Spirit then. Live in the opposite spirit of the age. This is what we get as we sow and keep on sowing in words and actions. It's actually what the message is all about. Of course, it's not the easiest life. It's much easier to be on a broad road, broad and easy road, Jesus said. But guess where it goes? Where does it go, the broad and easy road? Destruction. We're on a narrow and a rocky road. It's a road of sowing to please the Spirit. It's a road that's leading to where? Eternal life. Eternal life, so to please the Spirit and you'll reap eternal life. Heaven will break in here and you'll populate heaven there. And there, where's Michaela book? There. Thanks, Danielle. So this is what Tim Keller said. In the short run, such a life demands a tremendous number of sacrifices. You bind your heart up emotionally to people who are unstable. So you experience great distress that you could, could be avoided. You cut yourself off from many options that you could have if you weren't in ministry relationships. You have less money since you're giving generously to individuals and ministries and causes. The costs are many, but the rewards, Paul hints at, are much greater. The value of the harvest is greater than the cost of the seed. First, we often get the direct and deep satisfaction of seeing changed lives. That's us, isn't it? Second, we may get the direct and deep satisfaction of seeing families and communities, even cities, becoming good and happy places to live. That's us, isn't it? Third, we may even see people whose burdens have become burden, who, whose burdens we've seen become burden bearers, change lives who begin to change other lives. What a prize! What a prize to those who sacrificially sow to please the Spirit. And he goes on to say, but we need to realize there are deeper harvests that happen. Even when we don't meet that much outward success, we'll find our own character changing deeply through ministry. Our consciences will be clear and our hearts happier since we're less self-indulgent. We'll develop a less selfish and more satisfied character, which will serve as well when we're under pressure. We may not reap quickly, and we may not see all that we reap, but we know that there is a great harvest for those who sow to please the Spirit. Sounds great, doesn't it? It's what we're called to. Of course, it's why Booth could be so incredibly wackily joyful. Because he was sowing. He was sowing. And he was producing a harvest, not just out there, but in here, wasn't he? His heart was being changed. And he was walking with joy. Oh, God, I want to be like that. And then finally, in this little passage, Paul says this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 
a verse that will transform any life. It will transform your office. It will transform this workplace. It will transform your family. It will transform your community and our city if we live by it. Just doing good at every opportunity, every time we get the chance. The greatest good we can do to those who don't know Jesus is share relevantly the, word, the words of eternal life. But we're called people who are not just to preach the gospel in words, but to preach it in deeds. Just share the good news. You see, Christian life isn't about programs and meetings and missions primarily. It's about doing good to the person in front of you. It's about giving him or her the best you can. I've nicked that from someone. But the Christian life isn't primarily about programs and meetings and missions. It's about doing good to the person in front of you giving him or her the best you can. Imagine if we could live like that. We talk, more, we talk a lot, don't we, about message family. I've heard that said, especially from Sarah Hockley. But uh, every time she stands up, she talks about message family. We talk a lot about message family, and it's part of our branding is the message family. God help us to live like a not like a dysfunctional family, but like a kingdom family, like a family who just walk in the spirit and I've got someone in front of me and I can do good to them today. I can just build them up. I can love on them. And then together we can go out and in front of us will be classrooms full of broken kids and assemblies and prison cells and communities and cities and vast arenas and God could it be tens of thousands of people in front of us here we are we're just the do good people <laughs> we're the people who sow to please the spirit and as a result guaranteed you will at the proper time and there's something around that isn't there at the proper time you know if you stand there if you do everything right the conditions are right you sow the seed and you stand there, standing over it, waiting for something to happen, you go mad. But what tends to happen is you sow the seed, you do everything right, you go again and sow the seed, and then you look behind, you look, look at that beauty. Look at that, they're springing up there, and it's all the Lord, but you've been privileged to be partnering in that great adventure. Do you like the sound of it? Let's stand together then. Actually, it's a very, very festive message, isn't it? Because this is what Jesus did. He just gave his very best for us. He just gave everything he had. And I've, I've done this before, but I think I might do it this morning. I think, and maybe we've even done it in this place recently, but just as a, I went to put a microphone like this. I don't want us to make a fist, a really, really tight fist, everybody. Here's the spirit of the age. Grab it. Keep it. It's all for me. Me, me, me. It's all about me and keeping it close. That's not for us. That's so into the flesh. That's so into the self. It's the opposite. It's a fist, actually, that's going to fight others and fight for our rights and fight for our entitlement and fight until we've got enough things that we think will satisfy. That's not for us. Just let it go, let it out. Stretch your fingers out. This is for us, receiving from God. But in our hand is a great big pile of seed that we can sow out, sow out with good deeds, sow out with gospel pro proclamation, sow out to bless the poor, 
So out to love those who don't know Christ. So out especially to love those in his family, to be the message family. Sowing, sowing, sowing with the promise, the guarantee that at the proper time we'll reap a harvest of eternal life. Oh, bring it on, God. Bring it on. Thank you for the law of sowing. Help us to practice it, live it, walk in it, all for your glory and all for your praise. Pray this next season can be an unprecedented season of sowing and reaping. Hear the message. Help us, God, to be people who sow a great quantity, a great quality, and everything we can to produce the environment where you can do what only you can do, God. Help us, Jesus. Speak to us.